Hello friends, this is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Sanyo. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10-12 to minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. DynastyWeedFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts. That's Travis the Beard. Hey James, what does a cloud with an itch do? It finds it know. finds the nearest skyscraper. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was not bad. <laughs> I did not think I was going to get you to laugh on that one. I thought that one was, was... going to be one of my worst ones, but I'm glad. I'm glad it worked out. No, that was not bad. I am James the Brain, and this is the Superflex Super Show. We are still short one co-host, and that is John Hogue at Superflex Dude, but this episode's going to be a whole lot better than last week's, guys, because I'm not alone. I am joined by Travis the Beard uh, at TravisNFL um, on Twitter, and Travis, we're going to kind of go over some of the games here, kind of preview them and see who we would start and who we wouldn't. We've also got kind of a fun... Uh, little exercise, uh, a coaching corner is what we're calling it, where we're going to name one player from week five who we think is going to have a big game due to the game plan or game script, and one player we think is going to be a dud due to the game plan and the game script. So um, kind of looking forward to that. But let's go ahead and start out with the early slate of games. Uh, looks like you have the Broncos and the Jets that you're going to preview for us. Is that right, Travis? Yep, Broncos, Jets is first up. Um, before I do that, though, I want to say props to you for – Going the the solo route last week, you did a fine job, and also happy birthday, John Hogue. Oh, absolutely, happy birthday, John Hogue. Yeah, uh, celebrating his birthday. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, I think he's in there's, like there's, a, a, I think he's in a gutter in Tijuana or something right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that just means he did it right, so yeah. that's fine. And by and gutter, very, I, I mean bar. I think. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> he's drinking somewhere, and that's that's the that's the main thing. But uh, yeah, man, doing that that show on its own uh, was was difficult. I, I give you props doing that uh, multiple times a week because, man, that was uh, that was a process right there. That was the process. Yeah, well, you um, you kicked some butt, man. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate. it. I get I the advantage it. of only having to do like fifteen twenty minutes, so. Yeah, so so tell us a little bit about the Broncos Jets. Who who are you starting? Who's a good play? Who's not a good play? Is this game uh, as bad for fantasy players as it kind of looks <laughs> on paper, or, or what? Well, okay, so yes and no. I think there's a couple little bright spots in here. It's it's not a very high over under. They're not expecting a bunch of points. Forty two and a half. The Jets are favored by one point. So who the heck knows? We'll start with the Broncos here, and there's really no need to mess with Case Keenum this week. Uh, he's a road underdog in a game with a low expected scoring against a team that's in the top half of the league as far as allowing points to quarterbacks. And he's coming off of a disappointing game in a spot where he was supposed to do well. So I don't think if we, if we can avoid it, I know it's super flex and you might not have a choice, but if you can avoid Case Keenum, I would do so. Uh, Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay are both startable this week. The game shouldn't get out of hand game script wise, so both backs should remain involved throughout which matters most um, for Royce Freeman as the one here who hasn't been used in the passing game hardly at all. Uh, but it's a straight split backfield here. I mean, last week they 
only differed in carries by one, if I remember correctly. Both players are talented. They're both playing very well. Um, they obviously limit each other as far as their ceilings, but I like Philip Lindsay as a low-end running back too, and Royce Freeman is a fine flex play, I think, in this matchup that's kind of a middle-of-the-road matchup for running backs. So I would give uh, Lindsay like a... Uh, let's see, like a like a neon green, like kind of in between green and yellow. And then a Royce Freeman, green. I think, is yellow. Uh, so there's that. And so as far as the pass catchers go, I'm I'm really souring on Demarius Thomas, man. I'd love to hear your thoughts on him. Um, he's still leading the team in targets through four weeks, but he's managed just 168 total receiving yards on 33 targets, while Emmanuel Sanders who is a green light, must start every week, in my opinion. He's put up four more receptions and almost double the yardage with 314 yards with three less targets than than Demarius Thomas. Thomas is always in the mix to catch a touchdown, but he has only one of those on the season. The Jets are 15th against the pass so far this season, so not a bad matchup on paper, but Thomas just hasn't been getting it done. I don't think he's a must-start player at this point. And with the amount of scoring happening in the league right now, especially at the wide receiver position, anybody who has Thomas has probably stumbled upon another wide receiver option that has some higher upside than Demarius Thomas. So I would probably go that route. With Jake Butt on IR, Jeff Hireman saw seven targets last week, which is pretty big at the tight end position. But I don't really love the idea of starting Jeff Hireman. I think we let him simmer a little bit longer before considering him as a streamer. But what are your thoughts on Demarius Thomas real quick before I hit the Jets? Yeah, real interesting. Um, I, I think I saw Case Keenum. I don't think it's thrown a touchdown in the past three games either. So uh, something like that. And I, I really feel like that hurts Demarius because, like you said, you know, I think he's a red zone threat, especially without a tight end there that you can rely on. Uh, Hireman's been OK, but, you know, they, they've had injuries at the position with Jake Buck going down. So um, I, I think you're right. I think you probably stumbled upon someone that uh, you feel more comfortable starting uh, than Demarius Thomas at this point of the season. Let me ask you one more quick question, though, because I do have a question about the running backs here. Uh, Vance Joseph has made it a point to come out and publicly state that he wants to get Royce Freeman the ball more. Uh, does that concern you at all uh, with, with Philip Lindsay's usage? Or do you think maybe the game script in this one kind of calls for more more passing or more usage from Lindsay? Or do you do you buy that coach speak at all? I mean, I know we've heard it even in Carolina with, you know, DJ Moore's usage was supposed to go up and it obviously didn't, that sort of thing. So um, just just curious your thoughts on that. Are, are you worried at all about that? Do you think that it opens the door for Royce Freeman and closes it a little bit for Lindsay? Or are you not worried about that until you see it type thing? Yeah, not yet. I mean, coaches say stuff like that all the time. And it could definitely could happen. But I'm not going to base a start-sit decision on, you know, one coach, one line. You know what I mean? Like, he says one thing one time, and I don't. We haven't seen it yet, so sure. I'm, sure. I'm just going to still keep. I'm, I'm going to keep rolling Philip Lindsay out there until I see that usage significantly slant towards Royce Freeman. Which, I mean, I love Royce Freeman. It wouldn't surprise me if that happened as we move forward. But I'll believe it when I see it, type of thing. Fair enough. Um, all right, so for the Jets, uh, Sam Darnold doesn't really ever need to be in streaming conversation. I mean, su Superflex, you've probably got another quarterback, too, other than Sam Darnold. It's a pretty good matchup at home for him, but I don't think we can trust Sam Darnold yet. Isaiah Crowell 
was three total yards away from scoring zero fantasy points last week. And if you don't use decimal scoring, he did score you zero points last week. Um, but I think both Crowell and Bilal Powell are in the weekly low end, like really low end flex conversation. And I don't think that changes this week as scary and ugly as it may be. Uh, Crowell has largely been touchdown dependent. He's dominated in the red zone work. Um, Bilal Powell seen just three carries inside the 10 yard line. Hasn't scored once. I, yeah, I'm, we're not excited to start either one of these guys. Uh, so I think they should only be in consideration if you are desperate and you don't have any other options. But Crowell, Crowell has a legitimate chance to score a touchdown any week. So, I mean, that that keeps him in the conversation. Quincy Nunwa is really the only pass catcher on the Jets worth considering for fantasy. And that's really just because he keeps seeing the heavy targets. He's He's got a lock on that wide receiver one job for the Jets right now. His upside is capped because of the Jets offense, but I think Quincy Noon was a solid high floor PPR play every play every week. Um, but I don't I mean I don't I'm not expecting any big big games from him, uh, especially against the Broncos, who've allowed the sixth fewest points to opposing wide receivers so far this season. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's that's good stuff there. Okay. So. Um... Next game I have is going to be the Giants and the Panthers. And looking at this game, I'm just kind of looking at uh, at these defenses and um, and 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 both offenses, kind of coming up with a game plan on what I think these these teams are going to do. So, looking at the Carolina Panthers uh, this year, I mean they they really have have a lot of their passing game has come through their running backs and mainly Christian McCaffrey and almost 36 percent of of their targets. Um, or their receptions, rather, are going to running backs. So that mainly is Christian McCaffrey. Um, if you look at the Giants, they're not great at covering the uh, the running back out of the backfield. So um, I think that's that tells us a little bit there on kind of what Carolina's game plan is probably going to be as far as moving the ball goes. When we look at the Giants, we see that offensively uh, kind of what they like to do is they also like to use the running backs a little bit in the passing game. Um, and Carolina, though, is is tremendous at covering the running backs um, in the passing game where they are weak is the tight ends. They've allowed, uh, you know, almost 26% of the receptions going to the tight end position, which is uh, higher than normal. So, um, you know, just, just taking that information into account and looking at kind of what we've got going into this game. Um, I'm, I'm going to give a yellow light to guys like EY Manning, uh, Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr., um, Sterling Shepard, and, I'm going to give a yellow light to Red Ellison, and here's here's really why. The Giants are above average in completions uh, from the quarterback this year, um, so I believe Eli is going to throw the ball an awful lot. Saquon Barkley is going to get his. I know Carolina is pretty good at defending the running back, like I just said, out of the backfield in receptions. I expect that to kind of average um, because the Giants do like to throw the ball a lot to the backs out of the backfield. I expect that to kind of average out, and I think the Giants are still going to be able to run the ball a little bit here. Um, so I'm okay with Saquon Barkley. I, it's a yellow-white because it's not a great matchup, um, but uh, you know I, I think if you have Saquon Barkley, you're starting him. And then when we go to Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard, Sterling Shepard has been surprisingly pretty good for most of the year. Um, it, it's difficult to bench either one of these guys at this point. Like I said, Eli Manning has completed a lot of passes. I have a feeling that the uh, the Giants are going to continue uh, to, to try to get the ball out of his hand quickly, try to get him some high percentage throws, which helps that. But Red Ellison is the guy, to me, that is really interesting. Um, the tight end position for the New York Giants when Evan Ingram went down kind of 
became a forgotten position, and it's understandable why, right? Ellison hasn't really made a name for himself. He's not a great receiving tight end, but I really feel like to to attack the the Carolina Panthers, that's kind of how you do it. And I think Red Ellison's a sleeper. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of tight ends right now with the tight end injuries that are happening uh, with bye weeks. There's not a lot of tight ends that you feel really comfortable starting. Red Ellison might be a sleep, uh, a, a you know, a sleeper guy, a guy who you know, if you suffered an injury last year or or uh, I'm sorry, an injury last week, or you have a bye week uh, this week that, you know, your tight end's on a bye. Maybe this is a guy that you could pick up and just stream for a week. Um, he might actually surprise you. As far as Carolina goes, I'm giving Cam and Christian McCaffrey the green light. Uh, Cam can run the ball too. And uh, with running backs, uh, you know, making up a lot of the passing game here, Christian McCaffrey is going to to be huge with that. Um, I think Cam is going to get his on the ground and through the air. Uh, so, I, you know, Cam is a green light for me. I, I, he's at home uh, playing a Giants defense that is middle of the road at best. I'm giving a yellow light to guys like uh, Devin Funches and DJ Moore. Look, Carolina is coming off a bye week. If you're going to start using a young player and you're going to expand his role, you normally do that after a bye week. So I think DJ Moore is kind of a sleeper here too. I could see Carolina actually using him more like they said they were going to this week rather than week three when they said they were going to, just because they had that extra week in there to get him acclimated to everything and to get him up to speed. So um, that's where I'm going in that game, Travis. What do you got for us next? Yeah, man, I'm I'm actually I'm actually on board with the uh, Rhett Ellison stream call there. I like that. Oh, nice. Okay, I uh, thought so, I'd be alone on that one. <laughs> Next up, I've got the Dolphins at the Bengals. So Cincinnati's favored by six and a half in this game. I'll start with the Dolphins here. Ryan Tannehill's matchup on paper is actually a pretty good one this week against the Bengals, who have allowed the fifth most points to quarterbacks this season. And prior to Ryan Tannehill's implosion last week against New England, he'd thrown multiple touchdowns in every week this season. But I still don't think we should start Ryan Tannehill. He's on the road. He's a six and a half point underdog. And the most important reason to avoid Ryan Tannehill this week is he's Ryan Tannehill. So there's that. Kenny Stills is literally the only other player on the Dolphins in on the fantasy radar this week. We can't start Kenyon Drake. We can't start Frank Gore. Cincinnati has allowed the 10th most points to wide receivers through four weeks. And although that does include the crazy production last week from Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, and Calvin Ridley, they've also allowed big games to Chester Rogers, Devin Funchess, and John Brown. So Kenny Stills is always a boom-bust player, but he's got a decent chance to have a big game in this one where the Dolphins will likely have to play catch-up against the, against the Bengals, who have been surprisingly explosive this season. Um, for the Bengals, they're up against Miami, obviously. Miami right now is fourth against the quarterback, eighth against the wide receiver, and 11th against tight ends so far this season. And I don't buy any of it, James. I think that Miami is a farce. I think they're. I think those are all fake numbers. They have faced the half-Blaine Gabbert-led Titans in Week 1, Sam Darnold and the Jets in Week 2, and the Raiders and Derek Carr in Week 3, before everybody was on board with Derek Carr again after his week four performance. Andy Dalton and the Bengals are on fire this season. I don't buy any of this This Miami is a tough matchup nonsense. I think we start Andy Dalton, he gets a green light. Start Joe Mixon if he's active, he gets a green light. Start Gio Bernard if he's not, he gets a green light. AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, both green lights. Um, if you're trying to decide between two players to start that are similar and one of them is on the Bengals... I think you go with the Bengals. What do you think there? 
Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I, I definitely like that call there. I think uh, as of as of this recording, which is is you know we're recording on Friday early morning here. Um, as of this recording, I think it's assumed that Gio Bernard's going to miss this game, and if he does, Joe Mixon's probably going to get that full workload. Um, it's probably just going to be him and 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 uh, Mark Walton dressing because that's when Mixon was out. That's kind of what happened with Gio and and Walton. So I, I would assume that he's going to get a full workload. So I, I really love that call there. AJ Green is interesting. Um, while I'm not buying Miami, I am buying uh, Xavier Howard a little bit as that top corner. So I, that'll be an interesting matchup. Um, I I have a lot of shares of AJ Green. So I hope you're right, man. I really do, um, because that that would be that would help me out big time. So um, I think I'm gonna fire him up in in some of these leagues. And most of them I was going to anyways. But there are some that I had some receiver depth at, and I was thinking about benching them. But I, I think you won me over. Nice man. Yeah. If yeah, I can absolutely. just win James Catullus over on one thing every week, I've succeeded in life. Yeah, well, and it's not an easy thing to do because I don't like <laughs> to admit that I was wrong initially. So yeah. That, uh, all right, so the next game I've got is the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. And this game is definitely interesting on paper. When you look at Baltimore, man, surprisingly, uh, offensively, they've been pretty explosive. And when you look at the way they've done it, they've done it through the air. Um, and It's all John really Brown, it. baby. Yeah, but you know what's <laughs> interesting? It, it, the, the receivers only make up 50% of their uh, – their percentage, uh, their reception percentage, it's really the tight ends are, are really seeing a lot of it, and that's almost 28%. The problem is, is that you don't know what tight end in Baltimore each week is is, is startable. So um, they really spread it out to the tight ends. They have three or four that they like to use. Um, and then when you look at Cleveland defensively, uh, you know, really where to attack them is with the wide receivers. So um, I definitely think uh, John Brown is a is a consideration there. But real quick, looking at Cleveland offensively. Um, what they like to do, and it, it seems like they're, they're, most of their offense goes through the receiver position. They also use the tight end a little bit there, but the running backs, even with Duke Johnson rostered, they don't throw to the running backs an awful lot. So that's it, it's interesting looking at that. It, it doesn't matter, though, because Baltimore shuts down running backs, whether it's through the passing game uh, or on the ground. They are really good at stopping the running back. The way you want to attack them is with the receivers or the tight end. Um, that's really the only way that you have any success uh, so far this season attacking them. So keeping that in mind, look, I'm giving a green light to Joe Flacco. I'm giving a green light to John Brown. Those are the two guys I'm giving a green light to. Uh, Flacco is using John Brown an awful lot. I think the way that they're going to beat the Cleveland Browns is by throwing the ball to the receivers. Flacco has been surprisingly good this year. I think this is a pretty good matchup for him too. I could see him airing it out a little bit here, uh, just like Baltimore has has done surprisingly this year. So I'm going to give both of them a green light. I'm okay with starting both of them. I'm going to give a yellow light to Michael Crabtree. I'm going to give a yellow light to Alex Collins. The reason why I'm giving those guys a yellow light is because Cleveland's been pretty good against the running backs this year. Um, if Alex Collins gets some points, I think he does it with the touchdown, and that's really hard to, to rely on if that's what you're going to rely on. And Michael Crabtree, hey, look, he's – He's been okay, but he he hasn't been John Brown. You know, he hasn't gotten those those targets. They haven't been as innovative in trying to get him the ball as they have been with John Brown. Um, I'm okay with Crabtree this week, but I just don't expect huge things from him. And I am giving a red light to the Ravens tight ends. And here's the reason why. It's not because they haven't been good. It's because which one are you going to start? You've got Nick Boyle. You've got Max Williams. You've got Mark Andrews. I mean, all these guys are getting action. Um, if they all get two or three receptions uh, for, you know, 20, 30 yards, that's great. You know, that's, that shows that the tight ends are producing. But 
none of them are fantasy relevant, and that's the problem. I just don't know that you can rely on one of them. If if you do, you're rolling the dice, and you know, good luck trying to figure out which one's going to be the guy this this week. Uh, as far as the Cleveland side goes, look, I'm giving a green light to Baker Mayfield. I really feel like if Cleveland has a good game plan against Baltimore, Baker Mayfield's going to run the ball. He's going to use his legs a little bit to get out of the pocket. He's going to use his legs a little bit to make plays down the field running the ball, um, and that that should open things up down the field. So I think that's how I would uh, approach this. So I think Baker Mayfield's going to get some yards on the ground and through the air. I'm giving a green light to Jarvis Landry, too. I mean, the guy is leading the team in receptions and targets and receiving yards. Um, they, they they continue to feed that guy the ball, and I think that, uh, that that's – that's kind of how you do it here. Um, yellow white to David Njoku. He is he is on the border of yellow and green. Um, he just hasn't been great this year. You haven't been able to rely on him a lot. Baker Mayfield does target him more the game and a half that we've seen it. Um, David Njoku's targets have gone up. So that's that's an, uh, a good sign. And uh, Baltimore is susceptible to giving up uh, some yardage to tight ends. Now they have not given up a top 12 fantasy tight end yet this year. Um, so keep that in mind with Njoku. I just feel like the tight end position is pretty weak and you're going to struggle to find a better option uh, than Njoku this week. So that's why I'm giving him the yellow. Antonio Callaway is another guy I'm going to give the yellow light to. And basically he, he's the deep threat and he's the deep bomb. He's, he's the guy that if he makes one or two of those, those receptions, he makes your game worth it. If he doesn't, then it's not worth it. But you know, he's, he's at high, high, uh, high risk, low floor type player um, that if you really need a guy, a boomer bust guy, uh, that that's kind of guy I'd put in my lineup. I could see if Baker Mayfield does run the ball well, uh, I could see Antonio Callaway benefiting the most just because I could see him being able to get behind some of the defenses if safeties are cheating up to stop Baker Mayfield. I'm giving a red white to Rashad Higgins. I just don't see enough volume coming his way uh, with Landry, Najoku, and Callaway both being uh, starts I'd start over him. And I'm giving a red white to both running backs, Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb. Look, Nick Chubb in limited action really looked good last week, broke a couple big runs, um, really looked apart, and it looks like he's coming into his own. I know that they want to get him the ball a little bit more, but Carlos Hyde has been fine. He's been effective. He's been okay. He hasn't been great, but, I mean, on a consistent basis, the run blocking hasn't been fantastic either. Either way, uh, Baltimore is great against running backs. I wouldn't feel comfortable starting either one of these guys. I'm giving them a red-white. If you have better options, start them. Um, even if you have some options that normally you don't think would be better, I might consider starting them just because this matchup is that bad. Uh, what are your thoughts, Travis? Yeah, um, I'm on board with most of that. Are you concerned about the reports that Antonio Callaway's usage could be limited? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, like they, I think, it sounds like they might bench him some. <laughs> I, yeah, I. You know, it's interesting because I still think that really with him, it's it it takes one or two receptions. I I, I feel like he's going to be that deep threat. He's going to be that guy that they're just going to take a couple shots to. If he hauls one in, it's almost like the Deshaun Jackson effect. You know, if he hauls in that sixty-one yard touchdown and you started a man, I mean, you feel great. If you don't, you know, if he doesn't, then you feel terrible because he might have one catch for like 12 yards in this game. And so that that it does concern me a little bit, Travis, but I think he's the kind of guy that I'm looking at as a boom bust. If I feel like, OK, I'm I'm probably going to lose this week. I need a guy who could go off, who could be a big boom um, as opposed to playing it safe and getting that guy who might get me six points or, you know, eight points. I, I would put Callaway in there and and take the the risk on his on his uh his upside if you feel like you know hey i need to save points this week 
um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in a dogfight that's going to be a close one, then Callaway's not a guy that I'm, I'm looking to start. So I guess it just kind of depends. But no, I, I do see your point, and I, I am a little concerned about it. I guess I would just say that I would take a chance on his upside if I needed it, depending on my matchup. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so next up, I've got the Packers at Lions. This one has one of the highest over-unders of the week. Lots of scoring expected in this one. Green Bay is only favored by one point. Um, so start with the Packers here. And this is, I mean, just like the the Dolphins, this is another matchup where I don't really buy the current points allowed rankings for the Lions defense. Um, they're currently allowing the eighth fewest points to opposing quarterbacks, but they also just allowed Dak Prescott to have his best game of the season and made him look like an actual NFL quarterback again. They've also allowed the second fewest points to wide receivers through four games, but they allowed 153 yards and two touchdowns to the Jets receivers in week one. And since then, the Lions have played the 49ers and Cowboys, who don't have any receivers, and they've played the Patriots, who don't use any of their receivers. So I think that the the second fewest points allowed to wide receivers number is a little bit deceiving. I know Aaron Rodgers has been disappointing this season, uh, but I think a lot of that is a result of his knee injury. He's now four weeks removed from that injury he sustained in week one. He looks significantly more mobile in week four. And I think that we roll Aaron Rodgers out there, man. I think that, I mean, I don't know how many people were considering benching him, but I think that this could be the beginning of his resurgence back to the top of the fantasy quarterback landscape. That said, it looks like Randall Cobb is going to miss this week. Geronimo Allison is legitimately questionable with his concussion. And now Devontae Adams hurt his calf in practice on Wednesday. So if all three of those guys end up missing the game, then then you can forget everything I just said. But even if just Adams is cleared and, and Cobb and um, Allison both miss, I still think that Aaron Rodgers is a strong start. Um, Marquez Valdez Scantling is startable as a wide receiver three. If at least one of Cobb or Allison are ruled out, uh, if both of those guys miss, I mean, he's, he's the wide receiver two on that offense. So I think he's definitely flex worthy. I would give him a yellow light at that point, just because I also feel like, you know, that all of that production isn't just going to go to Marquez Valdez Scantling. I think Ty Montgomery is a sneaky play in PPR. If Allison and Cobb both sit, um, Aaron Jones, I mean, you love, you, you know, my feelings on Aaron Jones, James, I'm starting him everywhere. I have him. Um, he's not going to be in, you know, 70 plus percent backfield guy, but he's clearly the most talented player in that backfield and he should get the bulk of the work and he should outproduce Jamal Williams. Like he has been Jimmy Graham. I mean, with the tight end landscape, the way it is, I don't see how anyone can get away from starting Jimmy Graham. And now with multiple green Bay receivers likely to miss, I think Jimmy Graham is a green light uh, for the lions. You know, it's always nice when we have an offense like the lions, sometimes fantasy is just easy. And the lions are a great example of that right now. You start Matthew Stafford, you start all three receivers and you start carrying Johnson as a running back too. And we can just move on. Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't know. I disagree with any of that, man. That That's really, mm. really well done. I, the only thing I will say that, Man, that, it, the, the Lions may dodge another bullet here because, like you said, man, there, there may be multiple wide receivers for Green Bay that miss this game, and it may just be, you know, I, I still think Rodgers does well, just like you said, but, man, they may dodge another bullet not having to face a full repertoire of receivers for another team yet again, and uh, and maybe that narrative, you know, kind of kind of continues. Even if they're top 10 instead of number six against wide receivers, they might uh, – 
they might still fool some people into thinking that that's a tough matchup. So uh, that, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, okay, so the next game I have is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs. This should be a fun game, dude. We have the top offense versus the top scoring defense. So uh, this one, this one's really tough to kind of break down. But you know, when when we look at it, we'll start with Jacksonville. What they like to do offensively, offensively, um, they, they've had 97 completions so far, um, and really they've they've. Uh, They've done it through the running back position more than anything. Um, and Kansas City uh, defensively has well given up a lot to the running back. So um, it's an interesting uh, trend there that uh, Jacksonville should try to take advantage of in a high-scoring affair. Kansas City offensively, um, a lot of it has gone through the tight ends um, and the receivers. Uh, they've ignored the running back position, at least in the passing game, um, and to an extent in the rushing game as well. But uh, Kansas City has been so good passing the ball um, that uh, – it doesn't matter who they throw it to. Um, Jacksonville, on the other hand, defensively, it's really interesting because they uh, tend to give up uh, a good portion of yardage to the running back position um, and then receivers, but they're really good against tight ends. So uh, this is going to be an interesting matchup, strength versus strength, uh, the Jags defense versus the Chiefs offense, and the Jags, uh, you know, pass defense against tight ends versus Travis Kelsey and, uh, and you know, that, that strong tight end that the Chiefs have. So um, looking at this game, Look, I'm giving a green light to Blake Bortles. I'm giving a green light to Keelan Cole. And I'm also giving a green light to Austin Safarian Jenkins. Um, the, the Chiefs struggle to, to cover the tight end. They struggle kind of to cover everyone. But mainly the, the tight end position has really given them headaches. Um, I think if Jacksonville is looking to move the ball here, they're going to use Austin Safarian Jenkins more than they have so far this year. That tight end position should be a focal point of this offense moving forward. I'm also giving a green light to TJ Yeldon, um, mainly because the, the Chiefs aren't very good at stopping the running back, especially through the air. Um, I think TJ Yeldon's going to get a lot of that work. I, I know Corey Grant did a couple weeks ago when Fournette missed, uh, but I think TJ Yeldon has proven that he can stay on the field all three downs. I think he's going to start getting a lot more of that work, and uh, and I think TJ Yeldon is a green light for sure, too. Um Again, this this isn't a great Kansas City defense. I'm giving a yellow light to Dante Moncrief. It's really the only other receiver right now for Jacksonville that I feel comfortable starting. Um, you know, there have been a few Jacksonville wide receivers that have had uh, those those nice weeks, but to me, Keelan Cole and Dante Moncrief are the guys that uh, moving forward I'll feel comfortable starting. Uh, Moncrief to me gets the yellow light only because I feel like Keelan Cole, Austin Severian Jenkins, and T.J. Yeldon are going to take a greater portion of the passing offense. But I do think Bortles has a good game, and I think Moncrief could find the end zone again this week. So um, I'll give him a yellow-white, though. I'm not going to expect too much from him, and I'm not going to start him over some of the guys that I would normally I would normally be on. So uh, then we look at the Kansas City offense, and look, I'm going to give a green light to Kareem Hunt. Um, I know Kansas City really hasn't used the running back here, but it really seems like you know, if they're going to move the ball against his Jacksonville defense, Kareem Hunt's going to have to be involved in the passing game a little bit more. And uh, that, that hasn't been the case so far with this Kansas City offense, but I think it's a wrinkle that they're going to have to add if they're going to move the ball against this top-scoring defense. So I'm okay with Kareem Hunt. I think he gets involved in the passing game and gets enough rushing attempts to be useful. I'm going to give a green light to Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins as well. Um, I think if you're going to move the ball here, you're going to do it uh, with the wide receiver position. I'm okay with starting both of those guys this week. Um, I do think, you know, it's going to be interesting. Jalen Ramsey came out and already called out Tyreek Hill a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see that narrative, but I do feel like 
um, the Kansas City offense is going to, you know, they, they've been too good to be shut down completely. If they do score, I think it's going to be either Cream Hunt through the air or one of these two receivers. Um, giving a yellow light to Patrick Mahomes, look, if you have him, you're starting him, okay? Um, I'm just I'm just saying I wouldn't expect what he's given you thus far this year against the top-scoring defense. I think we know that Jacksonville has one of the better defenses um, in the NFL. So, I hey, start him. Just don't expect him to be a top-five fantasy quarterback this week. That's all I'm saying. Travis Kelsey, same thing. Uh, you know, I'm giving him the yellow light. I'm starting him. Obviously, if you have Travis Kelsey, there's no way you're not starting him. But it's a tough matchup. Jacksonville covers the tight end really well. Um, and again, you know, something's going to have to give this a strength versus strength. And uh, while I really like this Kansas City offense, I would still start Travis Kelsey. I just obviously would not expect huge numbers from him. Uh, what do you think, Travis? Am I way off base here uh, with Kelsey and Mahomes as yellow lights? No, I mean, I think the most important thing you said there is you're starting both of those guys either way. Um, so I think that it's fair to you to preach some caution as far as expectations because it is a tough matchup. So I, th- I think you're not way off base there. I th- I do find it interesting, though, that you didn't bring up D.D. Westbrook at all, um, who currently leads the Jaguars in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. Yeah, and and uh, look, I, I like D.D. Westbrook a lot. The My problem with him is, is I think he's the speed receiver here. I think he's kind of the guy that uh, that can beat you deep. Um, and actually Kansas city so far on the year has done really well with receivers that are slot receivers and speed receivers. And I think that's where Westbrook's going to line up. Um, so I'm looking more at the outside guys, uh, this time. And I think that's going to be Keelan Cole and Dante Moncrief more times than not, but it will be interesting. I mean, if they do line uh, Westbrook up outside a little bit more, uh, he, he very well could be the main benefit beneficiary of that i think uh keelan cole sometimes will end up in the slot as well uh so it'll be interesting to see kind of how they use those guys but my my guess would be that dante uh that uh dante moncrief and uh and keelan cole kind of get a little bit more uh of the uh the targets from the outside here um which is where you beat kansas city traditionally where teams have beaten kansas city at least so far this year yeah that's interesting man so dd westbrook got 13 targets last week keelan cole saw three um, but I, I get, I mean, you're saying essentially that these three guys are so interchangeable for this offense that you're just, you're re- reading the matchup and saying that, you know, just because it happened last week doesn't mean it's going to happen this week. And, you know, they, they can shift back and forth between these guys. And so for the chief specifically, you think Keelan Cole is going to be used more. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, a- absolutely. And and really, you know, it's it, it let's point this out too because uh, it, it's interesting the way that they've used their receivers. Um Keelan Cole in week 3 uh, got 9 targets, DD Westbrook had 4. Um so I mean I, it just seems like any given week um these guys can, you know, switch up, you know, the target rate and who's getting targeted and who isn't. Um you, you know, I mean you can even go back to week 2 when they beat the New England Patriots. You look at Keelan Cole getting 8 targets, DD Westbrook got 5. Um, it, it's just, it's so, so strange how they use their wide receivers there. Uh, and, and Moncrief in that game got nine. Um, so it just, it, it seems like week to week, it's difficult to trust somebody because of what you saw last, the, the week previous. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of going to roll the dice a little bit and try to play the matchup a little bit more, but, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's concerning because you just don't know which receiver is going to be that guy. And, and so, yeah, you're kind of rolling the dice with any of those three for sure. Yeah, I love it though, man. I mean, it's hard to start a guy who just got three targets. So prop, props to you on that call. So let's go to the next one here. I have the Titans at the Bills. All right, so this game has an over-under of 39. 
Um, so not a high-flying game expected here. Tennessee is favored by three and a half on the road. And so for the Titans, I think our start and sit decisions depend largely on whether what we saw out of the Titans offense last week against Philly was the beginning of the real Titans with Marcus Mariota getting healthy and showing some real progression, or if it was just a fluky outlier game. And unfortunately for week five, I don't think we have any idea which one's the case at this point. Marcus Mariota looked fantastic last week. Corey Davis showed the upside we all know was there, but it was also a game at home against the Eagles, and the Eagles have not been a terrible matchup so far this season, so it's hard to know, and Buffalo isn't a scary matchup by any means, but they've played pretty well on the defensive side of the ball. Um, that said, I think Marcus Mariota is a top half start at the quarterback position in Superflex leagues this week. I think we can roll him out there, but the Bills are pretty middle of the pack in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks this season, and with the low scoring expected, I don't think the the big ceiling is there for Marcus Mariota in week five. Corey Davis had a big breakout game last week. Obviously, he's most certainly startable, but the concern for him, as well as Taewon Taylor, who's the only other pass catcher in this offense who's in fantasy consideration here, and he's pretty low. The, the concern, though, is what we've been seeing with teams that play the Bills this year, um, other than that crazy Vikings game is that the the opposing team gets to an early lead and can just sit on it all game and they don't have to be aggressive and they don't have to throw the ball a ton. So that's a concern with Corey Davis, but I still think that he's startable. I would give him the yellow light, though. I don't think he's just an automatic, oh, he did it once, so he's in wide receiver one every week. I don't think that's the case just yet. Um, Deion Lewis is the PPR flex option here every single week, and I don't think that changes this week, the Bills have allowed the ninth most receptions to running backs so far this season to go along with two receiving touchdowns to running backs tied for second most in the league. Um, so I think he's in PPR flex consideration. He's obviously been disappointing after his big week one game. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry's just bad. I, I, I've been saying that for a long time now. I just can't, I won't ever recommend him as a start in fantasy football unless there's a Deion Lewis injury or something like that. Um, for the Bills... The Bills are very similar to the Rams and the Chiefs offenses for fantasy football, James, um, except for that they're the exact opposite, but similar in <laughs> similar in the aspect that there aren't really any hard choices to make. With the Rams and the Chiefs, you just start them all every week. With the Bills, you start literally zero of them ever, so that's pretty easy. LaShawn McCoy is probably the closest to our lineups, but he's not even really that close. He's seen eight, 13, and eight touches in his three weeks this season, and I think we would have to see several weeks in a row with uh, solid opportunity and solid production for him to seriously make it back into the conversation for a fantasy starter. We are a super flex show, and I, I still don't even think I need to mention Josh Allen. I, I, I just don't see it. I don't think that that would be a wise choice. Yeah, man, this Tennessee defense has been surprisingly good this year, too, so another interesting aspect of it but uh but yeah no i agree with all that so uh next you game agree I got is, you agree that derrick henry's bad at football cool um yeah i'm starting to man <laughs> it's it's starting to get hard to defend that dude i'll, I'll be honest um yeah uh, so anyways uh, then the next game i have the Atlanta Falcons and the Pittsburgh Steelers, this game should be a shootout. Dude, both these defenses are terrible. Um, to beat both these defenses, uh, you, you do it through the air. Uh, they're both pretty good on the ground, but normally it's because they're in shootouts. And so they're both throwing the ball uh, a ton to, to keep up with the other team. And I don't see that narrative changing. So with that in mind, 
look, I'm giving a green light to Matt Ryan. I'm giving a green light to Julio Jones. I'm giving a green light to Calvin Ridley. I am also giving a green light to Austin Hooper. Pittsburgh has been terrible against tight ends. Austin Hooper has been surprisingly pretty efficient so far this year. He hasn't been, you know, a top five tight end by any means, but he's been decent enough with the way tight ends are right now. Look, guys like Tyler Eifert got hurt. Guys like uh, Jake Butt, uh, several guys. Will Disley, you know, uh, there's a lot of guys that are uh, are hurt, are injured, um, and you know, we also have bye weeks going on. So, um, you know, if you had a guy like uh, Trey Burton, you know, you might need to use Austin Hooper. I wouldn't mind using him or streaming him this week at all. I'm giving him a green light. Uh, Pittsburgh's terrible again at covering the tight end, so uh, I I consider using him. I'm giving a yellow light to Tevin Coleman. Look, Demonte Freeman's going to be back. I don't know what their roles are going to be. Pittsburgh's defense has been good against the run. They just get beat through the air, and uh, and they don't even get beat through the air by by running backs. They're going to be deeper. So um, I don't think Tevin Coleman has a great game. I'm giving a red light to Devontae Freeman. Look, it's his first game back after missing a while. You know, there's several issues with the knee, with the concussions. I think they work him back real slow, um, and this is not – not the game to work him back into, you know, to giving him a, a full workload here. I think, I think Tevin Coleman, even if he, even if Freeman does play, I still think Tevin Coleman gets a 60, 40 timeshare split um, just because he's really good out of the backfield. He's better in space. If they are going to have to throw the ball a ton, which I feel like they will, I, I think Tevin Coleman gets a little bit more of the playing time. Uh, looking at Pittsburgh here, giving a green light to Big Ben, giving a green light to Antonio Brown, giving a green light to Juju Smith-Schuster. Look, Big Ben at home has, is normally very good. This uh, this game should be a shootout. There should be a lot of passing, and Big Ben's going to uh, to be the main beneficiary of that. Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster should have big games. The secondary for Atlanta is banged up. They're all sorts of injured, and that's how you beat Atlanta is by throwing to the receivers. Um, so I, I really like... Uh, both those guys. I'm giving a yellow light to James Conner. I, I, you know, Atlanta's rush defense has been pretty good. They don't allow a lot of receiving yards to the backs either. Um, I think James Conner will be involved a little bit here and there, but I do not think he is going to be a, a, a monster start this week. So um, I, I would proceed with caution with him. He also he hasn't been as good as he was at the start of the year these last few weeks. So um, I'm giving a red light to Vance McDonald. I'm giving a red light to Jesse James. Atlanta is very good against the tight ends. That's the one thing that they do cover, it seems, is the tight ends. Um, and you never know which one of those guys is actually going to go off anyways. Um, so with the matchup and with the fact that there's two of them uh, and you never know which week to start which one, um, I'm, I would bench uh, both those guys if you have better options. Tough to do in, in you know with the tight end landscape right now, um, but, uh, but if you have better options, I would bench them. All right, fair enough, man. Um, let's go, let's take a break here from the matchups and, and do this little other, this other little bit here. Um, the coaching corner. So one player for week five, who's going to have a big game because of the game script or game plan or whatever. And another one who's going to have a dud game due to the game plan or game script. Why don't you give us the guy you think is going to have a big game this week? Yeah, uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with Derek Carr and I'm not going to go too far into detail. We still want to preview this game and you've actually got this game coming up here. Um so I'm not going to go too far into it. I'll just say I think that the game script is going to call for Derek Carr to pass an awful lot. Um he's he's been really good as far as completion percentage goes and he's playing a defense that was supposed to be good uh, in the Chargers and has been pretty terrible. Um, and I could see that being a game where Oakland needs to score a lot of points, just like last week. I think Derek Carr may be the main beneficiary of that. So uh, I'm going to go with a big game for Derek Carr because of the game script. Cool. Yeah. I'll save my opinion on him. I got the Raiders at Chargers next. So 
The guy I think is going to have a big game this week is Matt Breda. I think this one's a pretty chalky pick, but it's become clear that Matt Breda is the back to own in this 49ers backfield. Um, Last week, he saw his highest snap percentage of the season. Alfred Morris saw his lowest. So I think they're committing to, to Matt Breda. And what we also saw last week was the 49ers offense might not actually be a complete train wreck for fantasy with C.J. Beathard under center. I mean, he was able to move the ball. They were able to sustain drives. So that was promising. Matt Breda has yet to receive more than 11 carries in a single game, but he's been efficient enough and involved enough in the passing game to make him a strong start this week at home in a game where the 49ers are favored by four and a half points against the Cardinals. And the Cardinals have given up the most fantasy points in the league to the running back position so far this season. I know that includes a lot of Sam Bradford garbage games, but the ground game is where you can attack this Cardinals team. And I don't know that the Cardinals are going to be able to put up a bunch of points. So I think that Matt Breda will be involved. And even if they do, he's involved in the passing game as well. So I think Matt Breda is in line for a big game this week. Nice. Nice. I like that. He could have a big game, but Kittle's got to have a couple of those touchdowns, all right? Because <laughs> I <laughs> kind of need him this week. All right. Uh, I'm going to go to my dud game, man. And I think um, I kind of already discussed it a little bit in the last game preview. Uh, Demonte Freeman's a guy who I think a lot of people are really excited to have back. You know, if you if you if you drafted Demonte Freeman, you did it with a pretty high pick. Uh, You have high expectations for a guy like that. You know, he's he's been consistent. He's been good for years. Um, I just don't think that this is the game, man. I I think they're going to work him back slowly. I don't think they just throw him out there for 70 percent of the snaps. Also, Pittsburgh has, again, been really good against running backs. The the way to beat them is by throwing the ball. Atlanta should be much, much too happy to oblige um, with what Calvin Ridley has done uh, with Julio Jones and even with, uh, you know, the surprising Austin Hooper. Uh, Mohamed Sanu is another guy in the passing game that they can use. So I feel like they have enough weapons that they can just go ahead and say, you know what? The way we beat this team, the way we keep up with the with this team is by throwing the ball. I think that that the game script is just going to uh, take Devontae Freeman out of uh, uh, out of the action, and I also feel like they're going to work him back slowly. So I don't think he has a high snap count. I don't think he has uh, a whole lot of usage or touches either. Um, so Devontae Freeman's a guy who I'm staying away from. If I have him, I am I'm I'm basically saying, all right, I'm treating him like he's injured again this week, and if if he you know just hoping that he comes away unscathed this week and next week you know after after a full uh, another full week and having a better matchup next week maybe he can uh, he can turn that around and you know be be uh, be usable and be startable for me. But this week is not the week I'm using him. I I think I mean it's hard to bench Devonta Freeman just because you did invest a lot in him and you're expecting Mm -hmm. a lot from him. But I think I'm on board with that. So my guy, I think is going to have a dud game this week is Adrian Peterson. And again, I think it's might this might end up being a pretty chalky play. I haven't really heard a bunch about it elsewhere, but it's essentially because of the game script. They're facing the Saints and the Saints are the Saints have given up the sixth fewest points to the running back position. Um, And I think that's largely because they score a lot and teams have to abandon the run. And with Adrian Peterson specifically, we know that when that's the case, he is straight up on the bench. Chris Thompson's in there instead of Adrian Peterson. Um, He's been somewhat involved in the passing game, but he only has five receptions through three games. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the whole whole argument. I think that the Redskins fall behind pretty early, and I think that he's not going to get very many opportunities to, you know, run the ball for 120 yards like he did in week three. Yeah, dude, everything you say 
makes sense right there. But here's the thing. I Two weeks ago I said this when Washington was playing Green Bay – or last week rather. And I said that – you know, this, this, yeah, AP, uh, they're going to fall behind. Um, Washington's not going to use AP. Uh, the, the game script's just not going to be there. And lo and behold, I looked like an idiot. I was wrong. AP had over 100 yards rushing, had a great game, got in the end zone too. Um, so I, I am done. I am done questioning AP. I am done doubting that guy. Everything you said is right. And I would probably suggest the same. But, I, I can't I can't sign off on it only because every time I do it seems like AP proves me wrong. So um That's <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But that's also because Washington beat the snot out of Green Bay and they were leading yeah, the whole time. Yeah. So the the thought the the process, James, the process was correct. Yes. Um, yes they just exactly. they just didn't lose. Uh they yeah. were they weren't trailing. Yeah. But in week two, they were trailing to Indy. And Indianapolis beat them 21 to nine and Adrian Peterson got 11 attempts for 20 yards and he caught three passes for 30 yards. So he scored eight PPR points. And so that's kind of, I mean, you're right in that it didn't work out in week three, but the, the fact still remains that when they are trailing, he will be out of the game. Um, So it's just a matter of, will the saints be able to get up to an early lead? Yeah, that's just it. That's just it is, is, uh, can the Saints be? I, I, maybe it's Washington that I shouldn't be doubting because I don't. I'm, <laughs> I didn't think they had a chance against Green Bay, and I was totally wrong. So, yeah. I well, I, you know what? I'm previewing that game a little bit later. Uh, it'll be the last game that I preview for uh, for this episode. So I'm gonna I'm gonna quiet down on AP, and I'll uh, I'll be able to kind of chime in a little later here. But uh, it looks like the next game you got is the Raiders and the Chargers. So why don't we get back to it here, Travis? Uh, what do you got for us on that one? Yeah. So this one, the the Raiders and Chargers. Over under of 53 and a half, man. That's pretty crazy. Uh, Derek Carr balled out last week against the Browns. He put up 437 passing yards, four passing touchdowns. And like you said, now he's facing the Chargers, and they've allowed the 10th most points to quarterbacks this season. And they just let C.J. Beathard put up 298 passing yards and two touchdowns against them last week. And um, again, with the second highest over under of the week, I think Derek Carr is a strong start. I'm on board with your, your big game from Derek Carr. I'm not a big Derek Carr fan in general. I think he's overrated, but I, he's in a good spot. So I'm I'm on board with that. So Marshawn Lynch, I mean, he keeps getting it done. He's playing great. He looks awesome. It's fun to watch. Uh, the Raiders are giving him enough work every week to sustain weekly startability as a running back too. And even when he didn't get in the end zone last week, he put up, you know, 130 yards. So He's getting it done for us. The Chargers aren't a scary matchup this week by any means for Marshawn Lynch. The concern remains with him, though, any week that the Raiders start to trail significantly and then it becomes the Jalen Richard show. But even in that game where Jalen Richard caught 10 passes, Lynch still finished as a as a decent running back start because he scored. So he's clearly the the running or the goal line guy. So Lynch is solid. I think we keep rolling him out there. Amari Cooper and Jordy Nelson, James, I don't honestly, I don't know anymore. I just, I don't know. I can't, (laughs) I don't want to start Amari Cooper, man. Yeah. He's got two games over 100 yards and two games under 20 yards. So I'm just going to ask you, are you starting Amari Cooper? I I think it's well known that I am, uh, I I don't have Amari Cooper anywhere. Um, I've never really bought into him. But in this this game, how do you bench him? I mean... 
because ah, he can put Chargers up 20 deep. yards. <laughs> I know, I know. It's crazy, though, but, like, I, he can also put up 100, and this defense has been, uh, but you're right. I mean, it seems like it's one or the other. Is it him or is it Nelson, you know? Which which guy's going to have that big game and, like, yeah, and they were both I, good I starts last how, week. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how you figure out which one you're going to start. So, I mean, it, it really uh, – I my answer is Jared Cook. That's who I start. Yep, yep. That was my next note here <laughs> is Jared Cook should be in our lineups every single week without question at this point. He's third in the league in tight end targets, and he leads all tight ends in receiving yardage, and he's the tight end one through four weeks. Wow. So you can't bench that. Um, it's been largely on two boom games, just like Amari Cooper, but at the tight end position, I mean, you'll take the duds, you know, it's hard to take the duds at the wide receiver position when you could have rolled out another decent option. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I guess if we're buying into Derek Carr, I guess, I guess Amari Cooper is startable. I mean, he's definitely startable, but man, he's just so risky. They could just, Mm -hmm. they could just go away from him and that's terrifying. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Anyways, so onto the chargers. Uh, Philip Rivers has been fantastic this season. Um, he's a weekly must start in super flex leagues at this point, in my opinion. And this matchup is nothing to be afraid of. So I think Philip Rivers is in our lineups. Melvin Gordon is obviously a must start. Austin Eckler is a good player and he continues to get it done in his very limited role. He's averaging just 10.25 touches per game so far. Uh, but he has just one game this season under 12 PPR fantasy points. So he's a strong flex option every week. And that goes for this week as well, despite it being a pretty sketchy matchup on paper against the Raiders who have given up the seventh most fantasy points to running backs, but the seventh fewest receiving yards and the second fewest receptions to running backs this season. I would give him a yellow light here. I'm still starting Keenan Allen, James, uh, week in and week out. I don't think he's done anything to warrant a fantasy benching. Uh, but he has been disappointing, but he's still been putting up start worthy games. And I still believe in the player and I believe in the talent. And I think the big games are coming for Keenan Allen. I think we just hold strong there. Um, I think we can go back to Mike Williams this week, James. He got a big letdown game last week. He had one catch for 15 yards. The chargers are at home this week in a game that has the second highest over under the week at 53 and a half points. Like I keep saying, and the Oakland Raiders have given up the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers so far this season. He's risky, so he gets a yellow light this week, but I think we can roll him out there as a flex play. Um, Antonio Gates is meh. I mean, he's in that hope for a touchdown streaming conversation, but I think he's on the low end of that. I would not recommend playing Antonio Gates if you have any other decent options. Yeah, man, I, I think I agree with all that. I think that's uh, re- really good takes there uh, on on both those offenses and kind of how to approach that. So um, next game I have is the Vikings and the Eagles, and this one's really interesting. Looking at the numbers, um, let's let's start with the Eagles defense. Uh, overall, if you're going to beat this Eagles defense, you're going to do it through the air, and you're going to do it by throwing to the wide receivers. They are great against the tight end. Um, they, they really are. They're best in the league at covering the tight end. Um, what's really interesting is the way you beat Minnesota is the same way, uh, by throwing the ball, by throwing it to the wide receivers. They are also really good at covering the tight end. So, uh, an interesting matchup here. Both these defenses seem to be very similar. Um, so I'm, I'm giving a green light to Kirk Cousins. I'm giving a green light to Stefan Diggs and to Adam Thielen. Um, I think, you know, this this game, if you're going to score points uh, against this Eagles defense, you're going to do it by throwing to the receivers. Uh, the Vikings have two really good ones in Diggs and Thielen. I think both those guys will get plenty of usage uh, with, uh, you know, a lot of targets that would be going to guys like Kyle Rudolph, going to those receivers a little bit here, um, really kind of feeding them. 
I also feel like the touchdown upside is higher for them with the way the Eagles cover the tight end position. So um, I, I'm giving a green light to all three of those guys. I'm giving a yellow light to Delvin Cook, and here's why. Look, the Eagles have been pretty good against the running back, but I really feel like the Vikings are going to make it a point to establish this running game. Um, the reason being is because I, I, I feel like they understand that, hey, look, uh, Kirk Cousins is sitting back there. He's taking hits. This passing game can't do it all. We are going to have to try to establish a running game. Um, so I'm going to give a yellow light to Dalvin Cook. He may even vulture a touchdown here and and kind of save some fantasy relevance. I could just see them trying to get him more involved, get his confidence up for the weeks coming up here. I'm giving a red light to Kyle Rudolph, though. Um, like I said, that the Eagles defense is fantastic at covering the tight end. Kyle Rudolph is, has been a very productive, a very good tight end. Something's got to give it strength versus strength. I feel like the Minnesota Vikings have enough on the outside to go, you know what? If you're going to take Rudolph away, that's fine. We can use Diggs. We can use Thielen. You know, we can even use guys like Treadwell when he holds onto the ball. You know, and some other receiving options that they have there, um, they can use to, to, to beat this team. So um, I don't think they need to use Kyle Rudolph. And I don't think they will, uh, because I think the Eagles are are really good at uh, at shutting that down. Um, looking at the Eagles side of things, look, they're at home. I'm giving a green light to Carson Wentz. Um, the way you beat this Vikings team again is through the air, throwing to the receivers. So this is going to be a trend. Uh, Carson Wentz, Elshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar. I'm giving a green light to all those guys. Um, those are the guys I feel like are going to be the most productive. Um, Elshon Jeffrey may have his first really good game of the year. I think I could see him putting up 100 yards and having a touchdown or two. So he is actually going to be my start of the week. Um, the reason being is because I really feel like uh, uh, the Eagles are going to throw the ball an awful lot in this game. Um, and again, the Vikings are a lot like the Eagles. They are very good at covering the tight end. That's why I'm giving a yellow light to Zach Ertz. I'm giving a yellow light to Jay Ajayi because the Eagles are very good against the running backs too. And I'm also giving a yellow light to Corey Clement. Um, these are guys that you, you may consider starting, you know, in, in the flex position, that sort of thing. Um, I, I would proceed with caution. I wouldn't expect anything uh, much from them. I, I guess you're hoping for a touchdown um, from either Ertz or Ajayi to kind of get some value. And uh, I, I, I don't know that I, I love that play um, for either one of those teams. So, um, yeah, quarterbacks and receivers, I'm starting in this game. Tight ends and running backs, not so much. Um, what do you think, Travis? Yeah, I'm on board with all that, man. So next up, I've got the Cardinals at 49ers. This game is pretty gross, and that makes me sad. I don't envision much fantasy production in this one. <laughs> um, for Josh Rosen, I think he's a desperation QB2 at this point in Superflex Leagues. Not because he stinks or anything. Um, he showed real promise in his first start last week, but simply because he's a rookie quarterback on a bad offense. I think he'll succeed in his career, but I don't think that we need to be starting him right now in fantasy if we can avoid it. David Johnson had his best game of the week last last week, and Josh Rosen being under center definitely helps the offense in general. They're able to sustain more drives. They're able to provide more fantasy opportunities. And this matchup against the 49ers, who have allowed the 10th most points to running backs this season, doesn't give any reason for us to not continue to put DJ in our lineups. Um, so he gets a green light, even though he's yet to really have a boom game. Um, I, I think we let Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk ride fantasy benches again this week, at least until we see Larry Fitzgerald healthy and succeeding with his new rookie quarterback, or until we see Christian Kirk have, you know, has his opportunity increase and, and become a more important part of this offense. Um, Ricky Seals Jones is in a good spot for week five. He's yet to see a ton of volume or do anything great for fantasy, but he's still a big play threat. He took two catches for 52 yards last week, as well as 
he's a solid red zone option for Josh Rosen. Um, so I think he could see more success in a matchup against these 49ers who have allowed the third most fantasy points to tight ends over the last two weeks and the fifth most on the season. For the 49ers, this is another pretty easy offense fantasy-wise for me. I think we avoid C.J. Beathard. I think we start Matt Breda most weeks as a running back too, but I already talked about how I think he could be in line for a big game this week specifically. Uh, we start George Kittle, and then we sit everyone else. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and tell you that uh, I think the Arizona Cardinals win this game. So, uh, Hey, man, you know, I, I'm, that would I'm, be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm calling it here. I think the Cardinals are going to win. I think uh, the rookie quarterback... Josh Rosen gets his first uh, first career win, so we'll we'll see how far I'm off, but uh, but no, I, I like that. I think uh, I think I think you're right. I think in order for Arizona to win, though, Fitzgerald's got to prove that he's healthy and have a game. But um, but yeah, at this point, how can you put him in your lineup with what he's done so far and kind of how he's looked? So totally get that. All right, so the next game I have is the LA Rams and the Seattle Seahawks, and this is a really interesting game. When you look at both these defenses, kind of how you beat them, the Rams are. They, they, a lot of their offense through the passing game is through the wide receivers. I mean, uh, Todd Gurley's been involved, but not as involved as he has been in the past. In the passing game, the receivers have really been tearing it up here. Tight ends, not so much. And then uh, if you look at the the, the Rams defense, uh, really the, the the way to move the ball against them, for the most part, is on the ground. Uh, you know, you can throw the ball to the running backs and you can run the ball against them a little bit better than you can throwing the ball. They're pretty much even across the board as far as, you know, they, they, they their ratio of uh, receptions uh, against as far as tight ends, running backs, and receivers go. But running backs have a slight edge there. So uh, looking at that, I'm giving a green light to guys like Todd Gurley, uh, Brandon Cooks, and Cooper Cup. Uh, these are guys that, uh, again, the, the Rams in the passing game have used the wide receivers an awful lot. Uh, Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup should get a, a good healthy share of this. Um, the outside wide receivers have beaten Seattle an awful lot over the course of this year. So I think those are the guys that are going to see the highest uh, amount of targets and um, the highest uh, amount of touches at the receiver position. I'd be starting them with confidence. Todd Gurley, again, this guy is so good. He's really good on the ground. Seattle, um, you know, defensively, uh, they've looked a little bit better, but boy, they're still really banged up and uh, and they're relying on some guys that uh, we're not used to seeing in Seattle, uh, them having to rely on. So I, I really like Todd Gurley too. I'm giving a yellow light to guys like Jared Goff. Look, uh, I, I don't know. I, the game script, I think the Rams get up and can probably run the ball here a little bit. Um, so I don't know that Jared Goff is going to have to throw the ball an awful lot. I don't know that he's going to get that four or five, six touchdown game that he had to have against the Vikings. Um, so I, I would give him a yellow light. I still think he's a good start. I just don't know that, um, he's in line for a monster game. I'm giving a yellow light to uh, to Gerald Everett as well. Tight ends have done pretty decent against Seattle here, but the the Rams really don't use the tight end position a lot. Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett are both guys that you could use. Um, Gerald Everett kind of was involved a little bit more after the Higby injury um, on Thursday night, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see if Higby is 100% healthy. He did come back in that game, and uh, and he is practicing, but it'll be interesting to see the usage between those two guys and. Uh, um, Robert Woods is another guy I'm giving a yellow light to. He's been pretty good this so far this year, but I just don't think he gets the targets that the other two guys get in this one. Giving a green light to Chris Carson. Uh, I really feel like this is a guy who can see the ball out of the backfield, uh, catching the ball, and also um, if he's 100% and he's healthy, which he should be after missing last week, 
he should see a, a full workload against a defense that it's really hard to move the ball against through the air, but uh, but giving up some some yards on the ground. I'm giving a yellow light to Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin. These are guys that I still feel like, um, you know, if they're behind, Russell Wilson's going to have some passing attempts. Doug Baldwin's going to be the main beneficiary of that. I'm also giving a yellow light to Tyler Lockett and Nick Vanette. You know, with Will Disley's injury, it looks like Nick Vanette's going to be the go-to guy there as far as the tight end position goes. They haven't really used the tight end an awful lot, but they do look for the tight ends in the red zone. Um, Disley was a guy who uh, who got a couple of those touchdowns because of that. Uh, Nick Vanette might see a touchdown. So with the way the tight end position is this week, I might consider streaming him. Um, and, and that's about it. I, I don't think I would start anybody else. Rashad Penny is a guy that I just don't think is getting enough of the, the share. Mike Davis was a guy last week who filled in for Chris Carson and did a did a pretty good job. I still don't think that he sees enough volume to be startable this week, though, so I'm giving him a red light as well. Yeah, man, sounds good. All right, so my last matchup is the Sunday night matchup between the Cowboys and the Texans. Uh, over under a 45.5. Houston's favored by 3.5 at home. Um, so let's start with the Cowboys here. Dak Prescott uh, had his best game of the season last week, both fantasy-wise and real NFL-wise, and that amounted to the fantasy quarterback 17 performance. So I really think that's all we need to know about Dak Prescott's fantasy appeal right now. In Superflex, you might not have a choice. You might be stuck. But if you've got a tangible quarterback three, I'd be considering that guy over Dak every week, despite this being a good matchup on paper. I started Joe Flacco over him last week in one league, for example, and I'm doing it again this week. Uh, the only other players in the starting conversation for this team this week are Ezekiel Elliott, who's locked and loaded every single week, and Cole Beasley, but Cole Beasley is only really a consideration in deep PPR leagues as a high floor flex option. Um, the ceiling is just obviously not there on this passing offense. Jeff Swaim is a desperation tight end streamer. Uh, I think you you can put him in your lineup if you again, are desperate. Uh, he's had two games in a row now with over five targets. He caught a touchdown last week, and he is the only tight end on the Dallas Cowboys who's caught a pass all season, James. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, that is insane. I would never have guessed that. That's so nuts. Not another, not, and none of the other tight ends have caught a single ball. So <laughs> if there's one there, it's Jeff Swaim. So for the Texans, we're all starting Deshaun Watson. He's the quarterback 10 on the season, so not quite what you paid for him in the draft or what you paid for him in trade if you got him in a dynasty league, but he's doing enough to be in our lineups. He's thrown for two touchdowns in three straight games. Um, so for the backfield here, I think it's seriously time we start considering benching Lamar Miller if you haven't already. He's the running back 33 on the season so far. He's yet to score a touchdown. He hasn't topped 50 rushing yards in the last two weeks. And last week in Kiki QT's debut and breakout game, they used QT as kind of an extension of the run game, and Miller didn't see a single target last week. On top of that, the Cowboys are a top-half defense against running backs on the season. I think Miller's a low-end flex option at this point. He gets a burnt orange color this week, uh, right there between yellow and red. I don't want to start him if I can avoid it. DeAndre Hopkins obviously must start. If Will Fuller is active this week, I think that he maintains his strong wide receiver two status, even with the emergence of Kiki QT. Um, Dallas is a bad wide receiver matchup on paper, and Dallas has an underrated secondary, but Will Fuller's big play potential and his continued chemistry and success with Deshaun Watson makes him tough to, to bench. Kiki QT is 
super interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts on him, James. I think he's definitely flex-worthy this week if you got him off waivers. I mean, 15 targets is hard to ignore. That's a pretty rare thing, even for wide receiver ones. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't even seen 15 targets this season. If Will Fuller's active, it definitely dampens the upside of QT, but... I mean, like I said, they were using him as an extension of the running game last week. So though I do think that QT would not have seen 15 targets if Will Fuller hadn't left the game with an injury, but I also think that he still would have been involved. And I think that he still can be involved this week. Yeah, I think if Will Fuller suits up, you're definitely starting Will Fuller. But QT, has, he, he really opened eyes. Look, he, they've been talking him up in, in Houston for a while since, since you know, the, the preseason. Um, and, and he suffered that injury, and he never really got to show why. Uh, and then he finally got that opening. He finally got that, uh, uh, you know, he finally suited up. And it looked like he was going to be the wide receiver three. Obviously, Fuller goes out with an injury, and he becomes the number two. Yeah, I, I think he saw more targets because of it, but I definitely think he's startable moving forward. Um, he, he has a nice, uh, you know, he's developed a nice uh, kind of relationship there with Sean Watson as far as, you know, chemistry-wise. They seem like they're on the same page. Um, Watson knew where he was going to be. He was hitting him, you know, uh, out of cuts. Um, he trusted him, and I think that showed. So uh, that that was an interesting part of it too, and I think Kuti can do a little, little bit different uh, things that Fuller and uh, and Hopkins can do running out of the slot. So so I, I like him moving forward, but yeah, I, I don't I don't see him having a week like he had last week either. So no, I agree with you there. Cool, man. Hit us up with the last matchup. Yeah, last matchup of the week. This is going to be a fun one. This is the New Orleans Saints and the Washington Redskins. It's going to be a, uh, a very interesting game. It looks like uh, Drew Brees needs 201 yards to set a record here for passing yards. So um, that'll be pretty cool, something to watch for. Uh, but no, going into this one, Real easy for New Orleans. I mean, let's just start with the Saints. You, you give a green light to Drew Brees every week. Give a green light to Michael Thomas every week. Give a green light to Alvin Kamara every week. I am also, and 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 this is, I'm, I'm giving a green light to Mark Ingram too. Um, I, I am. I think there's going to be enough scoring to go around for all those guys. Uh, the way to beat Washington, you can use the running backs in the passing game and running the ball. I think Mark Ingram's going to be a guy who, look, they used, they've used Alvin Kamara a ton, a ton. And I don't see his usage going down to the point where he's not, you know, in the conversation as a top five fantasy running back each week. But I mean, they they gotta they gotta start worrying about his usage a little bit here. Um, you know, they're gonna want him around later in the year. He's too good to not be on the field. I know he's a younger guy, but I, I still feel like, look, Mark Ingram's in a contract year. This is the year to use him up a little bit and give Kamara a little bit of rest, you know, for for a playoff run. So I think Mark Ingram, you know, immediately look, he he knows the offense. He's not coming back from an injury. It's a suspension. Um, you know, he he hits the ground running. I think he gets uh he gets some usage right away there. So I'm giving those guys a green light. Uh yellow light to to Ted Ginn Jr., to Cam Meredith, to uh, the tight ends, Ben Watson and Josh Hill. They've both been utilized a little bit you're hoping for a touchdown out of one of them. And Drew Brees has just been so good throwing the ball and throwing touchdowns that you've normally gotten it. But it's just hard to rely on week in and week out a touchdown for Ted Ginn or a touchdown for Cam Meredith or a touchdown for Traquan Smith if that's ever going to happen or a touchdown for Watson or Hill. I mean, it just it, it really is hard to rely on those guys week in and week out. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to start them if you absolutely have to. Um, you know, you're, you're starting them. You know, you have uh, you know, you, you have a bunch of starters. You have a few different flex positions um, and you have to start, uh, you know, guys that you normally maybe wouldn't or guys that are further down on your bench. Um, 
um, with the bye weeks. Maybe you have to start one of them, I understand. Um, but really, the only thing you're hoping for, in my opinion, is a touchdown out of one of those guys. Um, going to the Redskins here, look, I'm giving a green light to Alex Smith. Uh, the, he's going to have to throw the ball. Uh, I think uh, you and I kind of uh, – you went over it a little bit, Travis, with your take on Adrian Peterson earlier. I think that this is a game where the Saints are going to be behind. They're going to have to throw the ball. So I'm giving a green light to Alex Smith. I'm also giving a green light to Chris Thompson. The interesting part here is the Saints have been really good against running backs in the passing game where they've given up a lot of their yardage is to wide receivers, but the Redskins do not target their wide receivers. I mean, it, when they do, it, it, it doesn't always translate very well. I mean, Josh Doxson uh, is, is, does not convert on a lot of his targets. Um, Paul Richardson has been the same. He's kind of hit or miss with his targets. Um, and those are the, the, the top two targeted wide receivers for this offense so far this year. Neither of them have been very good. Chris Thompson's a guy that they're going to get involved. Even if they have to motion him out of the backfield and use him as a wide receiver, I think he's their best option in the passing game right now. So I still am giving him a green light. I'm giving a yellow light to Jordan Reed. Um, the only reason being is because the Saints have been really good against tight ends as well. Um, I do think that Jordan Reed is going to, to, to see some volume here. He's probably their most targeted uh, guy in the passing game outside of Chris Thompson. Um, so I, And he's been okay this year. So um, I, I'm okay starting Jordan Reed. I, I give him the yellow light. I'm giving a red light to the Washington wide receivers. I know that's kind of how traditionally so far this year you've beaten the New Orleans Saints, but the, the wide receivers for Washington are bad. I'm also giving a red light to Adrian Peterson. So we are uh, in lockstep there. I, I just don't think he sees the field enough to, to put up the, uh, the numbers and to get the volume that he should be getting um, if he's going to to put up big fantasy numbers in your in your starting lineup. So I'm I'm putting him on my bench. I'm not going to start him either. Um, I, I really think this is a Chris Thompson and Alex Smith game. So uh, we'll be interesting to see. But that's my take on it, uh, Travis. Uh, you got anything else to add before we uh, wrap it up here? Um, Adrian Peterson or Carlos Hyde this week? Oh, dude, you're killing me. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll I'll reluctantly go Carlos Hyde. What about you? I, I think I would do the same. But I think it's I think tough. Peterson has more upside if the game script doesn't go the way we think. Yeah, yeah. I I could see I yeah. Man, yeah, you're right. He could. He could vulture a touchdown, that's for sure. So yeah. all right. So that'll wrap it up for this episode, Travis. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes if you can. Those rate and reviews really help us out. It helps us understand kind of where to go with the show, what you want to hear, what you're listening to, whether we are providing you with useful content or not. So please be sure to do that. Find us on DynastyWeekFootball.com and check out all the other great DLF family of podcasts that they have to offer on there. There's a lot of really good ones. Also, be sure to hit us up on Twitter with any trade questions that you have. Um, you know, we can retweet that out. We can... Uh, uh, vote on those polls. We may even use them on the show. You can find us at Superflex Show. Uh, you can also find Travis at Travis NFL. Travis the Beard is what I like to call him, but uh, at Travis NFL, you can find him there. You can find John at Superflex Dude, and you can find myself at underscore James the Brain on Twitter. You can even add us those those trades, and we'll uh, we'll retweet them and and uh, and vote and do do whatever we can provide you feedback with what we can here. Um, so that'll do it for us. Everybody stay sexy and super flexy. Bye. How about this Eric Ebron? Dude. Dude. Yeah. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, man.